0: Well, good morning, you know who I am more than you needed to know, or I wanted you to know as well, but uh, welcome. We, um, if you've been around here and you know what's going on, Ed is preaching through uh, the book of Acts, and chapter 15 is uh, where he is, and Last week, well, Chapter 50. Like that he's in Paul's first missionary journey, which is a story of the early church. And last week, uh, the he was in the 15th chapter where it talks about the Jerusalem Council, which is the first real um, church council, and uh, the issue was about uh, there were Judaizers that originally uh, everybody was Jewish and then uh, God seemed to open the door to Gentiles and they began to share the gospel with Gentiles. And then the issue came up from the Judaizers, they were called, that even if you were a Gentile and you became a disciple, Did you also have to really become Jewish and take on all their things like if you're a man, circumcision, uh, you had to quit eating pork, Uh, you know, all those things. And the final decision was finally made in this Jerusalem council uh, where they officially said that externals... uh, aren't what you need to be important. And next week he's going to start a new series which is about Paul's second journey. Uh, I think it's going to be called The Road Less Traveled or something. But today, since last week, (coughs) the council settled the issue once and for all about the externals. The Council of Jerusalem officially declared that you can be a football player and not be a bulldog. (laughs) That's what it was all about. You can be a football player. You don't have to be a bulldog. Now, so externals do not matter so much, but there are internals that do matter. So today we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 13 and uh, verse 24. We'll start there and move through verse 30. And this is what it'll say. Another parable Jesus put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then? Does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. And the servants said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? He said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. But let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, if you know anything about Matthew's gospel, you'll know that it's just one parable after another. In fact, there are two parables in just three verses. And there are many who think that of all the parables of Jesus, this parable is, May be the most difficult to understand. If you are in that number, I want you to know you're in good company. Because if you drop down to verse 30, at six in this chapter, here's what it says Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, You're going to have to explain to us the parable. Of the tares of the field. So then Jesus explains to his disciples this parable. Now, rather than me explain this parable to you this morning, why don't we just let Jesus explain it? So here's what Jesus said, beginning in verse 37, explaining his own parable. He who sows the good seed is Jesus himself, the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked ones. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, if you know anything about parables, you know that in a parable, and Jesus certainly did this, and he lived in an agricultural society. So he would take common everyday things that his listeners would understand and uh, share with them uh, spiritual truths from those daily normal Events, so there is a a weed a, a tear, a weed that's what a tear is that's called darnell, and darnel with a naked eye looks just like wheat. You cannot tell the difference by just looking so you read you read here where What happens is Jesus is saying that if there's a wheat field, if God has wheat, he has planted wheat, good seed, Satan is always there to plant tares in the midst of the wheat. And the reason we have splits in churches is that people with the naked eye try to figure out who the tares are and try to remove them and that you're going to ruin the wheat. You're going, to, you're going to have a mess. But Jesus is saying here that what you have to do is you have to just let both the wheat and the tares grow until the harvest because the tares fake. And it cannot produce the harvest. So that you're going to be able to tell the reapers will know when the harvest comes. So now today, we don't have a question to deal with of would Satan do such a thing as to sow tears among God's wheat, or could he do that? That's a given in this story. Satan would do that. He could do that. He does do that. So it's not a question of that, where he can or not. The question is, and it's in... Verse 27b, those workers went to the owner and said, did you not sow good seed in your field? And he said, yes. And they said, how then does it have tears? It's not a question of does Satan do it. The question is how does he do that? If this is a wheat field this morning, And God has sown good seed. How did Satan cause there to be tares right among us? Well, I'm going to share with you this morning three reasons, and I'm certain three ways that Satan sows tares among God's wheat. And I'm going to share some personal testimony as well. So bullet point number one, in your worship guide, is that Satan does this by having us convicted of sin without conversion from sin. Have you been around the church very long or you've heard any scripture or, or you've just been alive, I think? You're probably going to hear that there is scripture that says, it's in Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, I've done some extensive research on that little three-letter word, all, and it means all. That's what it means. It means there's no exception. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now that's conviction. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we all know this morning there's nobody in this room who's going to raise their hand and say that they're an exception to that rule. They've never sinned because we know we're convicted that we are all sinners. But that's not enough. It's not enough to be convicted of sin. You have to be converted from sin. The reason the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin is so we repent of our sins so it's not enough just to be convicted. Conviction needs to lead us to repentance. Metanoia is the Greek word And metanoia simply means to turn around. So let me give you an example. We are here in Columbus or Midland or wherever we are this morning. And we're going to leave here and go to Fort Benning. I know there's more than one way, but let's just say that we're going to leave here. And we're going to Fort Benning, so we come out of this parking lot and turn left on Flat Rock Road, left again on J.R. Allen, right on Manchester Expressway, and then we'll come to uh, I-185. We get on I-185. You cannot miss Fort Benham. Is that right? Okay. So you do that. You get in your vehicle. You make uh, two left, You make a right. You get to 185. You get on 185, and you see a sign that says, Exit 10, Macon, Phoenix City. So I don't, I don't remember that. So you ride along a little farther and there's Smith Road. You say, wait a minute. Shouldn't have been Macon Road. And then you got Mulberry Creek. And you're saying, what happened to Buena Vista St. Mary's Road. Next thing you know, you're on 85, and you're in Noonan. Say, so something wrong. I was already in Columbus, Midland. When I started, I got on 185. An hour later, and I wasn't, what, 20 minutes or something, 30 from Fort Benning to start with. Now I'm in Noonan must be going the wrong way. So you can get off at Noonan. You can get your phone out and you can check it on the map. You can talk to anybody you want to talk to in Noonan. And you're all going to come to the same conclusion. You're going the wrong way. What happened was when you got to 185, you went north, should have went south. There ain't no doubt about that, right? You're convicted of that. You're wrong. But you get in your car and go north on 85. You're going to be in Atlanta. I've been there. It ain't heaven. (laughs) Now, if north is wrong, you can't keep going north and get to Fort Benning. You're going to have to turn around and come back. Is that right? You're gonna. There's no amount of conviction that'll get you to Fort Benning if you're going north on 85. There's no way. You've got to turn around. So I was in middle school. And I was at church, and they sang a closing hymn or song. And for whatever reason, I don't remember, I got out of my seat and went down front and talked to the pastor. I basically told him I knew I was a sinner. I didn't want to go to hell. I didn't want to go to heaven. And he prayed for me while they were singing. And then when the song was over, he said, they knew who I was. They said he said, Norman knows he's a sinner. And so I've prayed for him. Y'all pray for him. And the service was over and and I went to the house and had lunch and so on and so forth. And I I don't know if it was later that same day or the next day. But it seemed to me like I kind of heard a little voice, a whisper. Maybe it was a sense that kind of said tear, tear. I didn't know what tear was, but it didn't go away. And after a few weeks, I, I still felt that, and so I went to talk to my Sunday school teacher, and I told her, I said, you know, I, I, some sense or whisper seemed say tear, tear. And she said, Norman, you're okay. She said, you're the best behaved boy in my Sunday school class. And that was true. But that didn't have anything to do with me. That had everything to do with my dad. I better behave in Sunday school. (laughs) But she told me I was okay. Well, she should know. (laughs) She was my Sunday school teacher. I'm okay. But you know, that didn't go away just was there, tear, tear. I didn't know why. It was because I was going the wrong way. I knew I was a sinner, but I had not turned from my sin. I was not converted. Convicted, but not converted. That brings me to the second bullet point, and that is that... When uh, that pastor talked to me, well, he prayed for me that Sunday morning, I don't remember if it was the end, or a few days later, he said to me, he said, you need to know this information, we're having a class coming up just like you're going to start here, three classes in August, and he said, we're going to have a class for people who are interested in being members and know more about the church and salvation and whatever, and so we'll give you information and let you ask questions and at the end of that class you'll be able to decide if you want to be a member of the church, you want to be baptized. So I went to that class and at the end of that class I, I, I wanted to be baptized and so they baptized me on Palm Sunday and my name was put on the roll of the church. So here's the bullet point. Satan has us to be baptized, convicted without conversion, and then baptized without new birth. So I was baptized, officially a member of the church. But I was not born again. It's John chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, Nicodemus, who is a good man, Came to Jesus and said to Jesus, What do I need to do to be a part of the kingdom of God? And Jesus said to Nicodemus, You have to be born again. You must be born again. Now Nicodemus said, How can I as a grown man go back into my mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, No, Nicodemus. We're not talking about physical birth. I'm talking about spiritual birth. You see, when Adam and Eve was in the Garden of Eden, they were told if they would disobey, they would die. They disobeyed. They did not die physically. They died spiritually. They were separated from God, put out of the Garden of Eden. So their spirit was cut off dead. And because of Adam's sin, we are born into sin. So we come into this life with a dead spirit. God is a spirit. It's a spiritual kingdom. You can't can't relate to him and be a part of a spiritual kingdom if your spirit's dead. So if you're going to be a part of the kingdom, then God has to breathe life again into your spirit like Adam and Eve had in the first place. That's called being born again. Your spirit is to be born again. I was baptized. I was convicted, converted, now baptized, but somehow I missed the born again part. Shouldn't do that, but I did. So let me give you an illustration, okay? Y'all watching? Okay? So what is this? That was weak. But it's a wedding ring, right? I have a wedding ring on my third finger left hand, which proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm married. Correct? Are you sure about that? What's my wife's name? Yeah, these guys don't know, (laughs) though. You assume I have a wife, right? That's right. But not. wouldn't that be with the naked eye? Isn't that what they solved at Jerusalem Council? You, you can't tell. You go looking on the outside, you're going to tear up the pads. So let me do a survey. How many in this room are married? Okay. How many in this room aren't married? How many in this room didn't raise your hand either time because you're not sure? (laughs) Don't don't let that go. I'm coming back to that. Okay, let me ask you this Is there anybody in this room who's married and raised your hand but does not have a wedding ring on your third finger? Oh, look at that. Ah. So you really can't tell by the outside. Now, you watch this. What is this? It's a wedding ring. (laughs) I got two. (laughs) I used to wear this one over here. Sharon got me a new ring. So I just put this one over here. Does that mean I got two wives? (laughs) There's a penalty for that. Two mother-in-laws, but that's another sermon <laughs> altogether. You know, you go to a jewelry store and ask you want to tell them you want to buy wedding rings. They'll never ask you to see your your uh, marriage license. They want to see your credit card. They'll sell you as many rings as your credit card will take. You don't have to be married to have a ring. It's not that money. I I don't know in 57 years, Ed, how many weddings I've presided over, but I know if you just get a man and a woman and say, Y'all got rings? Well, just swap them. You wear this one, you wear this one. That's all there is to it. Wouldn't be any divorce rate. (laughs) Because anybody can wear a ring. Marriage is hard. It's not about wearing rings. See, the ring is an outward sign that you're married. But you don't have to have a ring to be married. You could have two rings. It's not about rings. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward grace. But you can be baptized without a new birth. I did that. So, tear. There was that sense. Tear. Tear. I I went to see one of the elders in my church. Man, I respected. And I told him, I said, something's just not right. Just some sense, some whisper, tear. I didn't know it's because I was Baptized and there was no new birth, but he said, uh, Norman, you're okay. And then he said something profound. He said, It's Satan that made you doubt. Satan makes you doubt. I said, That sounds right. He would do that. So I went on my way, but that voice was there tear, tear. It's because. I wasn't born again. Convicted, not converted. Baptized, missed the new birth part. So it was a tear, tear. That brings me back to the third bulletin point. And that is you can be religious without a relationship with Jesus. I already went to church all the time, we were up in the church. And now I was baptized and officially a member. And I was churched. You want to know something about church? I could tell you. I could be a greeter. I could be an usher. I could sing. I could teach. You what? Just what do you want me to do? I can do it. Back then, we cleaned up to go to church. So we don't have to do that anymore, but. Back then, you know, I cleaned up good. I looked good. I was religious. I was there all the time. These days, you don't have to go to church once or twice a month to get in. But back then, you had to go all the time. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesdays. I went all them times. I I was churched. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. That's how Satan does it. Gets involved in church. Just miss the relationship with Jesus. I heard a story about a pastor, went to a new congregation, and in that congregation was a young physician and his family. And you want to get to know your people, so he wanted to talk to this guy about personal things, but you gotta wait to the right time and place. And one Sunday morning the physician said to his pastor on the way out, he said, I heard you like to bird hunt. He said, you got that right. He said, I'm off Thursday afternoon, I'm going bird hunting, would you like to go with me? I said, sure. So the physician picked his pastor up and said, we're going out to a farm where I grew up. It was sold, but I've bought it back, and we're going to hunt on that land today. And they did, they had a good time, they got their quota of birds, and coming back in that evening, walking through a pastor by a barn there. The pastor thought this was a good time, so he said to the young physician, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. He said, would you tell me about your personal relationship with Jesus? And the physician said, I don't even understand the dynamics of that question. So the pastor said, okay, if you grew up here, then you must have played in this, Pastor. He said, all the time. He said, well, did you ever stub your toe? He said, of course. He said, well, you're a physician. Tell me what it's like to stub my toe. And the physician said, well, that's pain. and You can't really explain pain. You have to experience it. And he said, okay, you're a husband and a father. You love your wife and children, so tell me about love. The physician said, that's like pain. You, you can't explain it. You have to experience it. So he said, that's what I'm asking you. You have a relationship with Jesus and you're not able to explain to me, but you can tell me it's real. See, I didn't have that. I was converted, not, I convicted, not converted, baptized without new birth. Religious. <laughs> Just didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I was a grown man in a baseball field in Columbus, Ohio when Billy Graham gave an invitation to anybody who would like to have Jesus in their heart and life. I got out of my seat, walked across an outfield, and infield with some other people and Dr. Graham just led us in a simple prayer and I asked Jesus to come into my heart right there in the baseball field, I heard a whisper, you're wheat, you're wheat. Now back then, I was wheat thin. (laughs) Now I'm puffed wheat. (laughs) Hadn't all been easy. There's been days I felt like shredded wheat. But the witness was there. Romans 8 16 says, His spirit witnesses to your spirit that you're his child. It been the Holy Spirit telling me all the time I was a tear. And you said, but Norman, you said Satan made you doubt. I didn't say that. The elder of my church said that. He is flat wrong. Satan's a liar. He will not tell you the truth. Because if he tells you the truth, it don't turn out too good for tears. James, you guys can start back. It don't turn out good for, for tears. It'll scare the hell out of you. Right? Burning up, gnashing of teeth. He's not going to tell you you're a tear. He's not going to tell you you're wheat because he do not want you to act like wheat. So Satan says, You're okay. You're okay. Buddhist, Baptist, you're okay. You're okay. Well, if you're convicted of sin and not converted, you're not okay. If you've been baptized but you missed the born again part, Jesus said you must be born again. Your spirit has got to be alive for you to be a part of a spiritual kingdom and have a relationship with a God who's a spirit. You have to be born again. Now you can come to church. You can carry your Bible. You can wear a t-shirt. You can greet, you can do whatever. Sing, play. And be religious. And not know Jesus. I know. Because I was lost as a ball in i weeds. I've done all that. But lost. So the bad news is, what happens to tears at the harvest, and that'll prove for sure at the harvest. You ain't gonna fake that. The bad news is, don't turn out good for tears. But the good news is, the harvest has not yet come. So today, today, if you know you're a sinner but you've never turned it around you're not on the way to heaven you're on your way to hell and you can't keep going that direction and get where you want to go you got to do 180 maybe you've been baptized like me but Jesus said that wasn't enough you can't have a dead spirit and be in a spiritual kingdom you got to be born again I don't care if you understand that or not I didn't understand it You don't have to understand. You just have to have it, and then you can be religious. You can know all the stuff. You can go to church every time the doors open. But if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, it's not enough. But today, just like that, you can turn it around. Today, you can have new birth. And today, you're going to have a relationship with Jesus until your burdens have been lifted and your name is written in the lambsburg of life. They're going to sing. While they sing, is not a time to sing, pretty, although I like that. But this is a time for us to respond to the Holy Spirit a time this morning to turn around if you need to. Come up here and we'll pray for you to turn around. Maybe you've been baptized, but you need to be born again. Maybe you know how to do church. You just don't have a relationship with Jesus. You can know him today. You know, you remember when I did a survey? I said, how many are married how many aren't married? And then I said, how many? Not sure. You know what you did? You laughed. You know why you laughed? Because that's funny. Certainly you know if you're married or not, right? But you don't ask people if they're saved. I said, oh, I hope I am. I try to be. I want to be good. I try to keep people right on. What? You mean you don't know? you trying to tell me that, that marriage is as strong or stronger than salvation. You can know you're married and not know you're saved. If you can know anything on this earth today, you ought to know you're saved because His Spirit will witness to your spirit. And that's the only way you know. You can't tell by your naked eye, but He knows and you know. And that's all that matters. The rest of it's external. Know Him today. Father, Jesus said it in this parable that ears, let those who have ears hear. We just agree with that in Jesus' name. Amen.